it's thursday march 4th welcome to a new episode of bazaar i'm your host sid and joining me in the studio is rishab khanna we have another ipo in the cards so rishab is back on the show it's great to have you buddy hey hi siddharth thank you for having me on the show today we are going to cover quite an interesting company yeah it's a company that had us scratching our heads because the business and the industry is not an easy one it was interesting researching on this company because came to know a lot of uh, uh, industry jargons that we had not heard before and you know it's it's very hard to learn about a, such a complex business in just 3 or 4 days but you know we we tried our best in uh, uncovering the prospectus in the best way possible so let's get right to the business and you know we we've not been able to cover the past 3 ipos that have hit the markets but you know we were not going to miss out the fourth one so the company at hand is emtar technologies so the issue of this company is open and we will cover the ground on whether you should invest for listing gains only or you should put your money for the long term we will cover that in the late, latest stages and you know at the time of recording this issue was oversubscribed by around 10 times so you know this this tells you that how much of a frenzy there is still in this market like even after for the i think for the past 6 7 months we're seeing ipos coming out and people just putting their money applying for those ipos and every like most of the ipos i've seen have been oversubscribed so this frenzy is not going anywhere and if i'm not wrong like pre show we were discussing around a dozen more companies are going to hit the markets in in the next month or so isn't it sure so march is definitely going to be quite an active month for the capital markets there are going to be at least 12 ipos out of which 6 and 6 to 7 are confirmed so you are seeing anywhere between like 8000 crores worth of ipos in the month of march and that means more work for us <laughs> so definitely <laughs> yeah all right so we're looking forward to those ipos and you know we'll cover those as well but coming back to emtar this is a company which is engaged in making components for companies operating in the nuclear and space industry and their major customer is a is a foreign company called bloom energy which makes hydrogen fuel cells uh, again which is something very high tech and something we've not really we've not come across such a company in india or even in in the us it's something which is sort of you know it's it's a pioneer thing it's a very innovative business that they're doing and we don't know how sustainable it is at this point so you know we'll dive into the details we'll dive into the pros and cons of the business and the industry metrics and everything but rishab first i want to know you know what what's the objects of this issue how much money is the company raising and how are they going to deploy that money so the issue size is of uh, 596 crores and this includes a fresh issue as well as an offer for sale the fresh issue is close to 124 crores the remaining being an offer for sale now the objectives of the issue are first to repay the debt that the company has it has on its books second would be for working capital purposes and third would be for general corporate purposes now an interesting thing to be noted here is the company was able to mobilize around 180 crores through an offer for sale for the anchor investors and just to keep in mind these anchor investors include sbi mutual fund as well as access mutual fund which already participated in a 
pre-IPO placement offer and have again participated in the anchor investment portion. So they seem very bullish on this company in particular. Easy money for them, right? In in case there is a major listing gain, then if you apply pre-IPO and you get a preferential allotment of sorts, it's easy money for them. Definitely. And the company also has a very rich history, isn't it? I mean, it was set up by the founder as a partnership firm in 1970 and it was officially incorporated in 1999. So if you look at it, the company has been operational for more than 50 years. Like since 1970, they've been doing this business because it's a very, it's a very intricate business, right? Like precision engineering. It's something which requires a lot of experience. You just can't enter this business. So what is something that struck out to you while you, while you were researching about the history of the company? The history of the company is quite a feel-good one and quite an interesting one. So it was uh, set up by two people known as uh, Ravindra and Satya Narayana Reddy. They were former employees of HMT, which was Hindustan Machinery Tools Limited. And this was a time where India used to kind of import a lot of uh, critical component from foreign and they needed some cooling equipment for their nuclear reactors. And they were not able to manufacture it, neither import it. These two guys took up the challenge. They set up a partnership firm and they eventually manufactured and supplied the product. And from there on, the journey of uh, MTA started. They eventually formed a private limited company in the year 1999 and started covering a lot of different sectors and supplied a lot of equipment to the government sector companies with the latest and most famous being the rocket engines uh, for the Mangalayan mission. Yeah, I think like uh, when when I was going through the prospectus, I came across this interesting statistic that, you know, they have partnerships with ISRO, DRDO, NPCIL. And these are very long partnerships. Like with NPCIL, they have a partnership of more than 16 years. With ISRO, I think it's more than three decades. So this tells you that customer retention in this industry is around 100%. Once you choose a company to make components for you or to manufacture parts for you, you are not going to like, unless something radical happens, you're going to stick with that particular manufacturer, right? So I think the partnerships are good. It's a positive sign for the company. And like you mentioned, the history is also a good one, like 50 years. So these guys know what they're doing, right? And they have that experience, that expertise in, in operating the business. So that's a very bright light for the business and you know so in in the show that we do the ipo show that we do we like to evaluate companies and we also like to look at the industry that the company operates in and mtar is a company which operates in the precision engineering industry and believe me it's it's not an easy industry to understand it's it's very complex it has a lot of jargons that only an engineer can actually comprehend that And we were scratching our heads a lot of times, like during the research, when we were researching for the show, we were actually just discussing a lot of things. So, Rishabh, what do you think about this industry and the growth of this industry? And also, how is it segmented? I think the automotive sector occupies a large percentage of this industry, isn't it? Definitely, Siddharth. First of all, I'll try to keep the industry overview as simple as possible because the terms as you have mentioned are very complex so the precision engineering industry is a 4098 billion industry it contributes a merely 3 to 4% of the total manufacturing output 
so the industry can be classified into various sectors which are automobiles power defense aerospace nuclear power clean energy and space now the industry itself is predominantly dominated by the automotive industry so although mtr is in the precision engineering industry the industry cannot be uh, taken as a benchmark for evaluating the performance of mtr this is predominantly due to that the precision engineering industry is dominated by the automobiles industry whereas uh, mtr has a heavy presence in the clean energy space the space and uh, nuclear energy space so these are very small components of the precision engineering industry where mtr is a niche player yeah so i mean it doesn't make sense for us to use precision engineering the numbers given in the prospectus that 4100 billion value and the growth in the industry itself to project how good mtar is going to do because even if precision engineering as an industry grows a major part of that would be growth in the automotive sector and mtar doesn't really have any share in the automobile sector right it's 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 more into the space nuclear and clean energy spaces so if you want to look at the growth of mtar you need to look at the growth in those particular niches like you need to look how much nuclear energy is going to grow in the future how much clean energy is going to grow in the future so that number like the 4100 is not a correct representation and if we look at these sub niches right nuclear space and clean energy obviously you know these industries are these are these are not very big industries but the growth rates are good uh space as an industry in india is slowly growing you know because isro is partnering with a lot of private players and i think that's where they make money right isro makes money through these private partnerships then in the nuclear industry you have the government in the prospectus it was mentioned that the government is spending money to uh, build 10 fleet nuclear power plants and again that would be So, yeah, so, so they have around 22 existing reactors where they intend to expand the capacity and that is where a market mtar is going to be targeting but then again it needs to be seen if mtar would be able to capture most of that like because they make only components and engineering stuff right so again it depends like this growth this building of nuclear power plants how much of that would benefit mtar is again it's it's to be seen and these are how this happens is that government raises a tender and then you have to win that tender so there's not a guarantee that mtar is going to win every single tender right so that would decide the growth of mtar going forward and also i think clean energy because uh, if you see majority of their revenues this we will discuss this in the financial section but they derive most of their revenues from one single customer which is bloom energy and bloom energy is in the clean energy sector so any growth in clean energy and any growth in bloom energy will directly impact their revenue so if you are an investor and if you are interested in this company for the long term you need to look at these three industries to give you an idea of how good mtar is going to do going forward and talking about the industry in particular i think this industry is characterized by a barrier to entry because you just can't wake up and decide that you you're going to open a precision engineering business it's it's tough right you know this industry is probably one of the most capital intensive businesses with a very long gestation period because you have to create that machine that engineering project and then the payback cycle is very long so it requires a lot of capital a lot of money for you to operate this business and if you are living in a world where you know people are investing into 
software as a service which is very scalable then this industry is not like it's it's not going to sound very cool very uh, you know lighting the world on fire kind of stuff so that's something about the industry and we also like to like when we are analyzing a company we like to see how the competitors are doing because that tells you you know how much competitive edge a company has like if are they able to compete with their competitors how how they're ranking against the competitors so this company does not really i, I think that you know this was surprising to me that in the prospectus no competitor statistic was there does this company have any competitors rishab this company does not have any direct competitors we can term it as that so as we have already discussed mtr is into nuclear equipment fuel cell manufacturing and defense and aerospace if you look at competitors you look at mahindra defense which is predominantly into military and paramilitary forces or manufacture of tanks and all if you look at godrej and boys they have a plethora of businesses that they are in which includes aerospace construction and all and if you look at lnt lnt is more into commercial uh, more into commercial construction uh, metallurgical material handling iit so this is quite a niche player which if you look at uh, does not have any specific competitor so it you can kind of term it as a monopoly because as these companies are engaged in uh, products which are like quite complex and quite niche they don't have any direct competitors so there is no pure play competitor that we can compare it exactly against. exactly virtually a monopoly and they can decide the pricing and they can uh, decide how much they want to charge the customer and everything and there's no one stopping them like there's no one who has a better quotation compared to them so i mean that's a good thing i mean if you're an investor in a company and that company is a monopoly then obviously you like to see that so that's like there's no competitors for us to talk about so we'll move right into the business and this business is a very interesting business because you know it's something we have not really come across before we have come across businesses that are very easy to understand not very complex but this business is structured in a way that a precision engineering company which derives its uh, revenues from nuclear space and clean energy segments so we'll dive into the company and we'll you know dissect the pros and cons of the business and i want to start with the the pros the advantages of the business so what do you think is working in favor of the company at this point so that we'll first have to acknowledge the fact that the company has a diversified product portfolio so just to give you some flavor of the product portfolio that the company has the major part of the income is coming from bloom energy for the manufacture of a product known as hot boxes and uh, this has been a long standing relationship for the past 9 years so they have a long standing relationship with bloom energy which is the highest source of revenue for the company but these are not like long term standing relationships it's not a long term contract to deliver right these are short term contracts there's no legal contract that binds them like binds the customers to get the products only from mtar if i'm right uh definitely until another competitor comes and says that we can manufacture the product at a lower price <laughs> so that so that is kind of a working relationship that it has with bloom energy yeah and it derives around 64% of its revenues from bloom energy so that's a bit high so the top 3 customers contribute around 84% of its total revenue so that's quite a concentration of uh, revenue that the company has we'll kind of cover it in the following segments 
Now, just to touch upon the wide portfolio that it has, we have already covered the clean energy portion. In addition to that, it kind of manufactures fourteen different kind of products in the nuclear sector, six different kind of products in the space and defense sector. In addition to that, it has had a very long-standing relationship with a lot of government entities, which are eventually going to give them contracts for the space and defense programs. Just to kind of uh, give you an example, they have a relationship of close to sixteen years with NPCIL. They have been continuously being supplying them with different products uh, for their different space and defense programs. Yeah, I mean that's impressive. Sixteen years and a single customer reta- retaining that customer is it's quite impressive. And I also feel that one aspect of why they are able to maintain such good relationships is because there's negligible employee turnover. So it's a very interesting fact that I came okay. across that the company yeah. has like a average employee duration is 15 years that's pretty impressive definitely so the second positive point for the company is that it being a resource driven company the company has an average employee tenure of 15 years and mind you i have seen a lot of companies we have covered a lot of companies there's no company where we have kind of seen such a long tenure like are the employees so happy there <laughs> and you kind of have to see that the company was formally incorporated in the 1990s so they have around only 20 25 years of ex- existence and uh, out of that the average employee tenure is 15 years and what it helps is it kind of builds their research capability because there's not a lot of employee turnover there are a fixed set of employees who have been loyal to the company for n number of years and this kind of gives them stability and and further helps them develop their research and development function Yeah, if you're in a industry which requires such intricate work, you can't afford losing an employee. Definitely, one of the key factors for the success of the company would be its employees. And what do you think about the industries like nuclear, space, and clean energy? So, how how do things look from that front? Like, is MTAR the growth, the order book? Is it looking good for the company in the long run? So, Siddharth, to answer your question uh, on the nuclear energy side, as we were discussing, that the government is in the process of adding ten new reactors. This is in addition to their existing twenty-two uh, nuclear reactors. Now, this is uh, as the company already supplies fourteen components for the nuclear sector. This kind of opens up an opportunity for the company in the nuclear sector, where they can obtain government contracts for maintenance of these nuclear reactors. Another point that I would like to highlight is that the government has recently banned the import of around 101 defense items now if mtr is able to capitalize on this opportunity and gain a substantial monopoly in the manufacture of these components it would be a great win-win situation for the government itself as it promotes uh, domestic manufacturing as well as mtr for, uh, because they'll kind of gain a virtual monopoly in the manufacture of these components so what i'm understanding is that once you start manufacturing a component you basically get monopoly like it's it's that kind of an industry where if you bag a order once and if you can deliver on it perfectly then you are going to get repeat orders from that customer so it's it's i think this industry is amazing in that sense that you know once you deliver on the order you can be assured that you know the customer is going to stick with you and i also feel yeah i agree with you on the point that you know the ban on 101 defense based items it it could be a great win for mtar and the other defense players in india because you know manufacturing will move to india there will be more make in india like modi likes to highlight in his man ki baat you know every, every yeah. month 
so the the future does look bright so sita just to uh, summarize on this point the components that emta manufactures could be a very good product play for the company these are uh, components which if they meet the quality standards set by the government uh, they are eventually going to gain a virtual monopoly in the manufacture of these components so it could be a very good product play for the company yeah so these were the positives that we came across while we were reading the prospectus and now moving to the 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 critical aspects and and the risks that the company has in its business so i think one of the most obvious risks is the customer concentration so it derives around 85% of its revenue from three customers out of which 64% is derived from just one customer which is bloom energy so if tomorrow bloom energy goes bankrupt then emtar like 64% of their top line would be it will be vanished into thin air right so i think this is one of the biggest risks for the company and they need to diversify their business i i understand that they operate in an industry where the customers are very limited so even if they want to diversify there's not much choice that they have because in space there's isro in nuclear there's npcil in defense there's drdo and then in clean energy they have bloom energy so what do you think about that like what do you think are some major risks of the company that you've come across while reading the prospectus customer concentration obviously being one of them but apart from that any any major risks that you have come across so uh, siddharth as you have rightly pointed out there is a very large concentration of revenues from a very limited number of customers what we have to see is a majority of its revenue is contributed from the clean energy space now another negative point for the company is its existing order book so if you see at the existing order book is close to 368 crores only so we'll cover this point in the financial section the revenues the future order book is only 1.6 times the current revenue that the company has now the only positive side from here is as we have discussed that the company has a very high concentration to bloom energy its future contracts are predominantly from the space and defense sector so that is kind of a plus point for the company where it can eventually reduce the reliance on bloom energy so one more risks that obviously that is there like it's a part of the industry as the high capital expenditure requirement you have to spend a lot of money on building your facilities the facilities have to be state of the art you know it's a very costly process and let's say that in a particular year if you don't have demand like enough demand from the customer then you will be operating at a lower capacity so that is also one great risk that the company faces isn't it definitely siddharth just to let you know the company has around seven state of the art manufacturing facilities and in fact they are kind of uh, wanting to expand it and open another manufacturing facility but as you have rightly pointed out the company is in quite a capital intensive business it would take years of research and development to manufacture a product so if you look at any financial ratios that we are going to cover in the subsequent part it is very critical for the company to manage its cash flows because the cash flows are not going to be that frequent they are going to be lumpy in nature because of it being a capital intensive business there could be years where the company has to do a major investment project and the returns could eventually come in like 5 10 15 years that's a very long gestation period also i think the contracts with the customers it's it's not like every month they are billing the revenues right the the billings the revenue cycle itself will be a very long period so the entire cash flow management is something that 
the company has to be an expert at like they have to be great capital allocators for the company to perform well and we'll see in the financial sector how the ratios are and i think this uh, the capital expenditure nature of the industry is a definite risk for the company so that a couple of other points that are to be noted for the company is although the company is into the defense and space sector we kind of have to be realistic with the expectations from the company the company will eventually get contracts uh, in this sector only if it manufactures the components so even if say suppose the government uh, orders a few rafal jets the company will be able to gain from this only when the company is able to supply specific components that are required by the space and defense sector so it cannot be termed as a pure defense play it is more like an uh, auto ancillary is for the automotive industry this would be for the space and defense industry so any any benefit that they get will be only when the clients need that component so if they get an order from the government let's say isro gets a, gets an order from the government or isro wants to launch a rocket into space but if they don't need that component from mtar then mtar is not benefiting from it so again that's also something that you need to keep in mind and i also think the the relationship with bloom energy right we have not covered this in detail but the bloom energy thing it does look like a big risk for me so Siddharth, I definitely agree with your point. Uh, because if you see, Bloom Energy is into the manufacture of uh, hydrogen cells, and which is used for generation of electricity. Now, this is a concept which is gaining acceptance in the developed countries. And if just to give an example, the company is just expanding into South Korea, so the acceptance of such a product has a direct impact on the production that Mtar is going to do. Another point. that we kind of have to note here is the financial performance of bloom energy has not been that great where it has not been able to achieve profitability so that could pose a significant risk to mtar yeah i mean it it would be a big risk if 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 bloom energy tomorrow is posting significant losses then i mean that share of fuel cells that mtar supplies to bloom energy is going to go down and it's the main business of mtar is supplying those hot boxes to bloom energy so i mean you have to keep a look on the top line and the bottom line of bloom energy if you are studying mtar yeah so i think we've covered enough on the pros and cons of the business and you know moving on to our next parameter which is financials so the financials of the company look steady look moderate they are not like you know it's not a very high growth company obviously because the industry is is something which is like we mentioned long gestations long contracts so the payback is very slow and obviously that translates into you know steady growth on the top line so what do you think about the financials how do the numbers look for you so siddharth uh, the financials actually don't look too bad for the company a very important point that we kind of have to highlight here is that the company does not have a high amount of debt on its book yeah i was i was surprised actually like when i saw the financials and i saw that the debt was negligible i was like this is a capital intensive industry how is the debt to equity like close to zero that was a big yeah, eventually the debt debt to equity is just like 0.1 so which is like way <laughs> way good for a capital intensive industry Yeah. Touching upon a few other financial parameters, the company has had a decent revenue growth of close to fifteen percent, uh, uh, in the last three years. The EBITDA margin has somewhat remained stable around thirty percent. The net profit margin has also been uh, quite stable at or close to fifteen percent. So, if you 
look at all the financial parameters the company although has a very small financial if you compare it with other ipos that we have covered but the numbers are quite decent and respectable for the company yeah i mean even the return on capital was around 19% so us coming out and saying that you know long gestations they have to be very efficient in managing the capital they do seem to be managing it very well because in a very capital intensive business seeing a return on capital of around 19% that's very impressive i mean the financials do look good definitely the financials kind of pose a very good picture for the company with the scale that it has again it's subject to the bloom energy thing so if things go bad yes. at bloom energy <laughs> the, these numbers could look bad very easily definitely that is the disadvantage of relying so much on one customer yeah so from a financials point of view i think we are pretty comfortable with the company if things stay the same way it's a steady growth business it's going to offer you like a top line growth of 10 to 12% year on year and if you are looking for such companies which are you know moderate or steady in nature then mtar could be a company which offers you that kind of growth and moving on to the last parameter which is valuations which is i think it's the most important parameter if you are looking for uh, short term gains or if you're looking for listing gains then you need to look at the valuations of the company so i think if we take the march 20 financials the eps is around 11 times and the ipo price is 575 so the price to equity ratio comes to 52 times which i have to say is very high so you know i mean it's not a tech company <laughs> it's a engineering company which has a pe of 52 times what do you think of that so that there's definitely no two questions as the company is aggressively priced because it's not going to double its revenue right like if today its revenue is somewhere around 220 crores approximately next year it's not going to post a revenue of around 420 450 it's it's going to be a 20 30% growth max so 52 times pe is very expensive So Siddharth, the only way the company can justify these valuations is if it can, in the next financial year, in- increase its order book from three sixty odd crores to like six hundred crores and grow at like twenty thirty percent. So that is how they kind of can justify the valuations that the company is asking for. And the surprising part is mutual funds and all have been pretty comfortable with investing in at these valuations. A lot of mutual funds have put in their money in the anchor investor and as I have said on the pre IPO placement also. that's very interesting i mean fund managers they are better evaluators they're better analysts than us because we've just read this prospectus in the past 4 5 days and we are able to deduce that the valuation is not justified so no comments on that obviously it's their money they can do anything they want to do but personally i think it's very expensive and if we are value investors we look for value opportunities and uh, this company at this current valuation is something i wouldn't buy it and if you're looking for listing gains that would be a different thing so rishab from a listing gains perspective does it make sense to uh, apply for this ipo siddharth before commenting on it uh, we'll kind of have to give a word of caution the company is going to be categorized as a small cap company and uh, a disadvantage of it being a small cap company is that these stocks tend to be highly volatile coming back to the grey market premium that the company is currently commanding it is phenomenal uh, it is phenomenal we can say that it is close to like a 50% grey market premium wow. so that is the kind of premium the company is able to generate 
Another point that I would like to kind of highlight is while the company is into manufacturing and is into the precision engineering industry, what I would like to commend the company on is the precision of their timing of launching the IPO. They have got, <laughs> they have got a very good head start of all the IPOs that are going to come up in the month of March, and for them to gain a head start, the subscription numbers are going to justify the benefit that the company has is able to generate. i i like what you did there <laughs> precision yeah you've you've been very precise with that comment so <laughs> nice nice so all in all for people who are looking for listing gains apply in the ipo try your luck it seems like the entire ipo thing right now is a lottery system if you get allotment probably you can make a few bucks out of it but i think from a long term perspective buy on dips because it's very expensive 52 times p uh, i don't know it's an engineering company it's it's a boring business right so look for a big and, dip yeah and add to that the gray market premium if it eventually lists at that premium so you're going to pay 50% more yeah so that makes no sense look for dips and uh, thank you thanks rishabh for coming and we need to fasten our seat belts i think 12 more ipos are coming in the next month in this month and the next month so it's going to be like very tight for us definitely we'll start working on the next ipo which is going to come in just a few days yeah be tuned for it all right so that does it for today's edition of bazaar people on the show may have certain recommendations to buy or sell but don't buy or sell based on what you hear do your own research before you take any investing decision and let us know what you think of the show you can you know ping us you can hit us up with your doubts if you have any suggestions for us any topic that you would like for us to cover any company any particular ipo that you want to want us to cover so we look for your feedback you know that is what keeps us going and uh, take care we'll see you next week